This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. In our last episode, we started on this very sensitive subject of suffering. And I perceive that this series will be going on for several episodes as the Holy Spirit continues to give us utterance. We started on this subject. It's very sensitive. We don't like to talk much about it um, in the churches. If we do, we dedicate only maybe once in a while. We don't really dig deep into the subject of suffering, especially suffering as a Christian, and even probably compounding that, not just suffering and suffering as a Christian, but suffering and suffering as a Christian, and uh, I mean suffering as a Christian to God's will. So there's almost three levels to this subject. The yes, you can be, you can believe in God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. But that does not exempt you from suffering in your walk with Christ. In fact, as I shared in the last episode that I had this moment where I felt the Spirit of the Lord really challenge me on this and tell me that when it comes to scriptures on you know, miraculous miracles, breakthrough, victories, overcoming triumphs, your spirit opens up to them and you receive them with joy and gladness. But when it comes to the portions of scripture where it's talking about suffering, you seem to push them to the side and say, that's not for me. And so I was challenged to embrace the other side of the gospel or the coin of the gospel talks about suffering because our master our lord and savior jesus christ what really separates him from any other pathway into eternity if you look at all other faiths or religions all of them have i guess a representative if you might call it and the difference is that with a Christian faith, the person that we put our faith in as our gateway, as our pathway to eternal life, the man Christ Jesus, as the scripture says, there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The scriptures do not the scriptures in the Bible, they do not hide his sufferings. Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered. And we, as, as his followers, it talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, how as his followers wow we are we are to suffer with him in second timothy chapter 2 verse 12 is also a very beautiful place it talks about if we suffer with him it says if we died with him we will also live with him if we endure we will also reign with him if we disown him he will also disown us if we are faithless he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself so in in the book of revelation we see on several accounts let me first maintain that passage of scripture 
talks about in Second Timothy chapter two. In fact, I, I will read all of it in context. Now, there is a suffering that we see brought to our attention by one of, you know, our pivotal, our opening scripture kind of to lay the, the foundation from our last episode. And I'm really trying to see here if I should, let's do a quick recap. Because in the last episode, we really touched on some things. And then I will segue back into some of the scriptures that are really coming to mind right now. But anyways, the point being, we don't like to talk about suffering. So let me first talk about that again. It's not a fun subject. And fair enough, no one likes to suffer, but we must embrace it. It's not a fun subject to talk about. And that's why many at times in the church, we're not talking about it right now. Right now, there's a whole movement. We're only talking about the God of breakthroughs. And year in, months in, months out, people keep making these prophetic declarations about how it's going to be Oh, a breakthrough year. This is a breakthrough year. And the whole congregation just is like, yeah, 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 you know. And at the end of the year, a lot of people are a bit disappointed. Why? Because you need to understand that not every cup of suffering is to be taken from you. There's some caps of suffering that you have to drink, unfortunately, fortunately. And there's a reason behind that. But we need to embrace the gospel of suffering. Now, we did establish that there is a suffering according to God's will, and there is a suffering that's not according to God's will. So I don't want you to listen to this and think that I'm advocating for you to put up with you know, a diagnosis of cancer or of 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 of, of poverty and, and, and things of that nature. No. Ultimately, when you look at God's desire and will for us is everything that's falls within the blessing, everything that falls within the curse is not that is not what he desires for us but sometimes in our lives we will end up in a situation that represents something that's on the curse side how do you deal with that how do you consolidate that how, when you're going through something that's been going on and on and on you now setting those words when they someone says breakthrough is coming this is your year this is your month this is your week and and it's not happening how do you consolidate that that's where a lot of people start to be like maybe they lied to me because a lot of people will say things like you know will start to think maybe the man of god or woman of god that god used maybe i don't know maybe you know, God's not answering prayers. God's not hearing my prayers. God's, God has forsaken me. God has neglected me. But I presented all this. That's just, I'm really feeling pulled in so many directions here. And I really want to do some recap here of some of the things we established because that was a very we need to lay a foundation for this subject. This is a sensitive subject, but I, I already feel like my spirit wants to jump into several part, portions of scripture. So we might have to spend a few more episodes just kind of laying the ground and really 
as I said, this subject was something that I think when my spirit had finally received it or accepted it or acknowledged it and saying, yes, this is a reality, because I'm also speaking from some personal experience. Um, I think then the Lord was ready to, you know, he put a green light. He put, in fact, a strong unction in me and said, okay, talk about this. I think now is the time. So I'm trying to make the best use of that unction, that leading, that utterance. There's, a, there's an utterance that I feel has been granted unto me to talk about this. But it's also coming with a lot of things I'm trying to capture those things, the new thoughts, because every statement I make, I'm like, you know, we could go down a certain path. So it might sound like I'm a little bit all over the place, but bear with me because this is, this is sensitive. This is a deep subject, but it also has so many moving parts and you have to add, add different contexts to it. So, okay. We, for the most part. And, and you know, I, I did realize this actually, how I waned, like I got weaned off of, of like, that's also, that's the other problem right now. We have a lot of motivational preachers. You know, when I really used to listen, there's, there's you know, there's people that ministered to me five, six, seven years ago that don't minister to me anymore. Because I'm, I like when I know the real truth, you know, like for me, I like it when you tell it to me how it is. And then I'm like, okay, this is what I, this is what I got to deal with. Fair enough. But the problem with motivational style of preaching, where most of the sermons and the teachings are dedicated towards the God of just break through. And like with faith, we can move every mountain. Yes, but we need to also understand the listen. Joseph, got, even though he, he received a breakthrough a dream that at one point he will kind of be exalted and his brothers will be bowing down to him. Um, it took him 13 years. It took him 13 years. And also, we like to read about, you know, David and Goliath. and But it also took David about 13 years until he sat upon the throne of Hebron as a king. And Abraham, uh, 22 years, I believe, 25 or 22 years. Until the birth of the son that Jesus, uh, the, 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 the Lord had promised him. And then we have other people laboring. Um, Hannah crying out for the birth of her first son, Samuel. We have Zacharias and Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist. Elizabeth was 65 when... She conceived John, John the Baptist. So, and on and on and on. And then you get into the new covenant and you see how the apostles, man, they suffered. Now they suffered primarily is the type of suffering which I'll call persecution. So we shall talk about the different types of sufferings that you can you know, what kind of sufferings should you yield to versus the kind of sufferings that you should resist? However, like, for instance, you could find yourself in a situation where, yes, Jesus paid for your abundance. He paid the price for your poverty that you might live in abundance. I know some people, if you say that the scripture says he who was poor, he who was rich became poor that for your sakes through him, you might be rich. Now, 
anytime you use that word these days, it's like a curse word, the word prosperity and rich is like a curse word, but you know, prosperity varies. I'm not going to get too much into that. You know, I was talking to the Lord and, and I said, what would be the right way to use the word prosperity right now? Because it seems like it has become a curse word. Um, God wants us to live in more than enough, in abundance. That's what the scriptures talk about. So what does abundance mean to you? But when it comes to prosperity, I believe um, there's different kinds of prosperity according to the call that we have in our lives. At the end of the day, our substance, our material substance, we're supposed to be stewards. That's what the Lord expects of us. So as a steward, Essentially, whether you are a steward, you're like a, a, a port, you know, you're like a an investment banker, like a portfolio manager, where you have a portfolio that you look after. So, whether you your prosperity, let's say to use dollars and cents, let's say. Whether you've been prospered to the degree where you are a millionaire, um, let's say you're still a steward. Whether God puts thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars or billions of dollars, the point is we are stewards. So you should look at the material wealth or the substance that comes into your hands as a steward. You are a steward. That's what you are. You steward your master's estate. And you, there's lots of parables in the scripture that talk about stewardship and how the Lord gives talents to different people based on their ability. To one, he gave one. To another, he gave two talents. To another, he gave five talents. So if the Lord has put five talents in your hands, you're still a steward. Because trust me, if the Lord has put in your portfolio millions of dollars, you are going to be held accountable for how you stewarded those millions of dollars. If the Lord has put hundreds of thousands of dollars in your hands, you are still going to be held accountable. So your prosperity... Um, I don't think this word should be a curse word, uh, but it sounds like it's a curse word. Anytime we talk about prosperity, I think it's like, should we talk about poverty? No, Christ delivered us from poverty. So anyway, so, but these now I was thinking about it. There's another very interesting context because yes, you should resist poverty. Okay. That's true. Now, you should resist luck. That's true. Now, however, you could find yourself in a situation in a season of your life where um, there seems to be a wall, let's say for your finances. It's possible. Did God deliver you from debt? Yes. He said, oh, no man, anything. The scripture says you are supposed to be the lender in Deuteronomy 28. You'll be the lender and not the borrower. You'll be above and not beneath. And it says you'll be a lender to nations. So he says the scriptures talk about for it is I that has given you power to make wealth that I may establish my covenant. These are the places of scripture says, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. My God shall supply all my needs, you know, exceeding. Uh, no, my, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory. He's able to do exceedingly above more than we can ask, think, or imagine. So the scriptures of that, uh, and it says um, other places, it will talk about how, you know, when it comes to the righteous, 
I believe some some 112. Then he also talk about wealth and riches are in his house. He says a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Um, so, but the problem is, or you could find yourself in a situation where none of those promises are being fulfilled in your life, are finding expression in your life. So they, even when there is a promise, I'm, I'm learning that there could be a covering of the promise, which is like the ultimate um, expectation or provision, kind of like the final end point of the, the, the will of the Father for you saying, yes, I want all your needs to be met. But perhaps you're in a situation where your needs are not being met on time. You know, where you're behind on bills, where you're you're behind on yeah, on bills. It could be rent, it could be mortgage, it could be car payments, it could be and 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 you're wondering, you're saying, Lord, like what is going on? And 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 and, and you've been battling this. Yes, you could find yourself in that situation. That is a suffering. Now, there is a context in which you can suffer a curse according to God's will. I know, I, I never thought I'll even say something like this. This is why this subject is very sensitive. Because we can look at job. We can look at job. Let's go there. So you see what I mean? Because the scripture says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Okay. That is the kind of like what is available for you. Christ has redeemed you from sickness. Christ has redeemed you from poverty. Christ has redeemed you from debt. Christ has redeemed you from depression. Christ has redeemed you from, from you know, from, from these things that could be putting pressure on you. So how do you consolidate going through something which Christ has redeemed you from in 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 a context where God is allowing you to go through something that He has redeemed you from. How do you consolidate that? This is this is the real deal. This is those parts of Christianity that don't make sense to a lot of people unless you've experienced it, unless you've really understood it, you know, um, it's hard. Let's look at job. Job went through poverty. He lost everything. Job went through death. I mean, he, he, he experienced death of his loved ones, his children, three daughters and seven sons. They died. And then Job became sick. So he pretty much experienced three of the things that torment our society, poverty, death of loved ones, and sickness. And 
we you have and in the context it says satan well let, let, let's read let, let's read there because I, I don't want i want us to look at it i want us to look at this this is sensitive sensitive subject and um we might have to touch on it but one of the things that i realize about scripture is that if you never start talking about certain concepts of scripture um if you don't visit a portion of scripture if you don't open up your mind towards it however hard it is could be the book of genesis talking about creation could be the book of revelation if you don't open it up you can't receive further revelation unless you start venturing down that book and receive understanding. And it's okay if we don't get it right the first time, but we trust that the Lord will give us more understanding. But I wanna present a case to you because I don't want someone out there to feel condemned. Maybe you're going through financial affliction and you're thinking God does not love you or you're thinking maybe You've been waiting for a child, you know. Um, maybe you've been waiting to get married. Now, because the subject is very, it's not one, it's not one, one, one size fits all. So we're gonna have to kind of look at the every scenario will kind of talk about different contexts that you could be in every situation you could be. So we'll present what, what we'll do is that we'll present a scenario of, of suffering. And then what I'll do is that I'll point to different possibilities, angles that you can look at that suffering because these, these different contexts to it. Okay. Now, our case study, let's start out with Job. Let's start out with Job here. And I'm presenting the case that, yes, there, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So everything that you could find in the curse, if you read from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, that's where you find the list of curses and the list of blessings that we have been redeemed from. So Deuteronomy 28 from verse 15, it says curses from the Lord. Now, however, these are things that the Lord essentially curses that um, Satan, that, like things that if you step outside of the Lord's umbrella, these are curses that you're going to run into. We'll, we'll have... We'll, we'll, we'll also talk about that in context, but let us present our the, the character of study right now, Job, because I want you to see something here. There was a man in the land of Uz. I'm reading from the book of Job. Now, we'll talk about Job's suffering but then also we will present the the suffering of Paul and and we will introduce kind of like two contexts and and you see that there's a context to to some sufferings i mean there's a context to all sufferings so in Second Corinthians, we see Paul's, well, let's, this is very interesting. I'm trying, okay, we'll, we'll talk about job, then we'll also talk about Paul. So we'll talk about job on one side and we'll talk about Paul on the other side. Okay. Okay. So I'm reading from the book of job. We're talking about suffering 
and suffering according to God's will. And the character that we're looking at is Job. Because Job suffered three types of sufferings that we see here that a lot of people deal with. You know, Job suffered poverty and lack because all his Satan attacked all everything that he had. So his properties, everything was 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 destroyed. Then he suffered death of lapons. His three daughters and his seven sons died. And then on top of that, Job um, became sick. So meanwhile, in one of the, op, op, the scriptures that we used to kind of lay the ground for in, in our last episode was from 1 Peter chapter 1 verse verse 1 Peter chapter chapter 4 and it talks about share Christ's sufferings and it says beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you okay then says but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed you may be glad also with exceeding joy. So, what I like about that scripture and why we're going to use it back in, in as we read about the account of Job, because there's also a lot of false doctrine that has come out of the book of John. We, uh, the book of Job, we need to read the book of Job with context and understand the sufferings that he went through. However, just in case you're going through something, something has been extended. Peter is telling you that, beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Basically, he's saying you're going through something and you keep thinking, why me? This shouldn't be happening to me. He's saying, do not think it do not think it not strange concerning the trial that you're going through as though some strange thing has happened to you. So there's a context and understanding we should have that this thing that is happening is strange, but there's another context we should have that this is not strange, meaning there's a chance that this is the will of God, that I'm suffering according to the will of God, that Almighty God, El Shaddai, is allowing me to go through this suffering. He says, but rejoice in as much as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. He says, we are partakers of Christ's sufferings. So that already shows us that we are not exempt from suffering. And we're gonna get to job shortly. But I just feel like um, in in our last, in our previous episode, I said that there is strength when you actually figure out, when you accept, when you come to the realization that, you know what, I am suffering according to the will of God. That yes, God very, God knows what I'm going through. And God is allowing it to happen. I, 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 I was, I was, the, I can't explain it, but it's actually pre, a place of strength. There's a strength that comes upon you where you don't feel like God is a mean God, you know, that God doesn't love you or God hates you or God has decided to forsake you or reject you. There's a, that's where the fast strength in you is deposited by saying, you know what? I know that he knows what I'm going through. And I know that he knows. I know. I know those playing words. Play, say, I know that he knows that I know he is letting me go through it. It, it changes. It strengthens you. Because you, you stop praying prayers of, take this cup from me. And we saw this with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, oh, my father, 
This is from Luke chapter 22, verses 41, 42 says, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Then he prayed again, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. That's, that's what Jesus was praying for. He was praying for the father to remove the cup. He says, if possible, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. But the cup was not removed because Jesus had to suffer according to the will of the father. says he was withdrawn from them. He was withdrawn from them. He was withdrawn from them, about a stone cast away. This is Luke chapter 22, verses 41 to 43. And he was withdrawn from them, about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And the moment Jesus yielded to the will of suffering of the Father's will, according to the Father's will, it says, And there and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. So there's a strength that you will receive the moment you yield to the suffering according to God's will. When you stop resisting it, there's a suffering when you realize that I'm, I could be here for a while. I don't know when, but this is not a two day suffering. This is not a just one. This is not a one week suffering. This is not a one month suffering. This is not a two month suffering. This could be a one year suffering. This could be a two year suffering. And we hope it's not a three year suffering, but it could be a three year suffering. How do you drink that cup? But it's possible. Think about Zachariah and Elizabeth praying for a child. They were caught up in the will of God. They were caught up in a prophetic agenda where their son was going to be John the Baptist. So you think about it. At what age did they start praying for a child? They did not receive, Elizabeth did not conceive John the Baptist until she was 65. So these guys had been praying and praying and praying. So that's why I'm saying that there's a context where you need to understand the context of your suffering. So the overarching promise says God wants everyone to have children. How do you know that? Because there, it, it says that um, none shall lack her mate. That would be regarding marriage. But it says uh, children are heritage from the Lord in Psalms 127. Okay. So let me use this as a, let me use this to explain, for, for instance, the context, if it's the suffering of not having children and show you the different contexts. Psalm 127, verse 7 says, Lord, children are heritage from the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Right? It says children are heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his, re is his reward. Now, when he gave commandment, at the beginning, there's also a rule of first mention in scripture in Genesis chapter one, verses 28, after God had created man and woman, he blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, I believe that covers two aspects. It talks about being fruitful and multiplying in the sense of uh, extending the dominion of the garden of Eden across the earth, being productive, whatever, but also be fruitful and multiply is talk. It also covers the context of reproduction. So the initial context shows that um, in Malachi, let's go there. Come here to Malachi. You see, this subject is, is very 
deep but it's sensitive that you can't ignore it but even when you're talking about it you have to make sure you're covering the suffering in context okay malachi chapter mm, malachi chapter 10 it talks about Uh, help me, Holy Spirit. It talks about a godly seed. How. How. You know, how is how else can God continue to advance his agenda in the earth? It's through a godly seed. Let me quickly find that scripture, but it's, it's in Malachi. Because that I'm trying to show you the context of yeah malachi chapter 2 versus malachi chapter 2 15. okay this is what it says let's let's i like to get a couple of translations so in malachi chapter 2 i like what it says it says the people break marriage vows now it says oh come on come on Give me some context. It says, you ask why the Lord is, you ask why it is because the Lord is the witness between you and you and the wife of your youth. You've been unfaithful to her, though she's your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the one God made you, you belong to him in body and spirit. And what does one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on guard and do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The point is here, what does one God seek? It says God seeks a godly offspring. So that scripture shows that if you and your husband or you and your wife, there's God's plan to seek a godly offspring out of you. So this shows you that it's not God's will for you to be barren. It's not. It's not God's will for you to be barren. Now, that is the overarching um, promise. However, you can find yourself where you have prayed and, and you're going through the suffering of waiting for a child. And it's not happening. Now, these a context where you need to understand by default you should start out by resisting barrenness because um exodus chapter 23 talks about that talks about um is in exodus chapter 23 help me holy spirit um the name of your days you shall fulfill there'll be nan barren um yeah exodus chapter help me help me help me help me help me be aware of him yeah i will send an, i'll send my angel before you you shall observe and yes here exodus chapter 23 talks about how my angel shall go before you and bring you into the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hevites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and water. He will take all sickness away from the midst of you there shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. So this scripture tells us God has put a promise that you will not have miscarriages. That's not his will. It says, there shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. And then it says, the number of thy days I will fulfill. So it's talking about no miscarriages. You will not be barren. And then it talks about... Uh, you will not die prematurely. 
But then you find yourself like Elizabeth and Elizabeth and and Zechariah, the parents of John the Baptist, they did not understand the context of their suffering. They were caught up in the will of God. God was seeking a godly offspring called John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. And it meant that he needed to be here at a certain time so that he could do what he could do and then Jesus would start his ministry. So Elizabeth and John the Baptist were caught up in what I call a prophetic agenda. They were caught up in a prophetic agenda. So the best, the understanding that they needed was to seek and say and say, you know what, Lord, we know it's not your, again, we know that in your overarching will, it is not your will that any woman should be barren or have miscarriages. But we are finding that we have tried to have a child and it's not happening. What is going on? Are we caught up in a prophetic agenda where we have to wait up to a certain point? You can imagine Elizabeth at 65. So they probably prayed for like 30 years. Now, one of the things I'm saying is that when you understand that you're caught up in a prophetic agenda, in the suffering will of God, in, in the will of God, which ends up requiring suffering according to his will, then they strengthen knowing that, okay, at some point I will come out. But there's also more strength in knowing it's not going to be today. It's not going to be tomorrow. And it could not, it may not even be this year. Once you, 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 you settle your heart with that reality, your prayer changes from father, remove this cup to father, give me grace to drink the cup. So Zacharias the high priest and his wife, Elizabeth, the parents of John the Baptist, they did not know that they were caught up in a prophetic agenda. So in the case of someone, let's say, who's dealing with your family or you want to, you're waiting for a child, but it hasn't happened. There are different, there are different reasons. The first one, you could say it's a generational curse. That one you need to resist. Because that means that the thief, Satan, is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan is trying to steal children from you. He's trying to destroy the hope, the godly seed that comes out of a marriage. You see, so for that category of couple, they should do everything they can in their means to resist Satan. Right? Their prayers should be, Father, this is not your will. Um, we resist this cup of suffering. We resist this. This is infringement on your word that says children are heritage from the Lord. This is your Satan is coming against the word that you have spoken in our lives. Now, another couple, they could be caught up in a prophetic agenda where there's a timing in which their child is supposed to come into the earth such that their destiny you know lines up with a certain prophetic utterance now if you've you've sought the lord and the lord has told you i am going to use your child guess what you stop praying remove this cap from me you change your prayer to lord give me give us mercy to to endure you know 10 years of not having a child. It's possible, right? And now there's another context which is also very delicate and that one will talk about it in... So something can happen to you 
you could be going through. Now, there's other people where God will let something happen in order to get their attention. You know, perhaps this is a couple who's been walking in sin. You know, or maybe the wife or the husband, one of them is walking in sin and rebellion and disobedience. And God can allow that to kind of be a crushing or a pressing that causes this couple, first of all, uh, realizing that they don't have a child. God can allow that to, to, to bring their marriage back together because now they realize they need each other. And also now it forces them to humble themselves under the mighty hand of God and say, you know what, Lord, we need you. So this could be, let's say, a couple that is rich, you know, like they've got money. So finances are not their problem. But the problem is because of their finances, they're not even helping the kingdom of God. You know, they're walking in pride. They're not helping other people. They're looking down at other people. They think that it's because of their smart smarts, because of their business acumen, their investment acumen, that they have, um, you know, become prosperous. So there's a pride that they have as a family. And so God can use lack of a child to humble them where they realize that, listen, money is not the, like money is not everything. Meaning that in this case, yes, you've received, you have money, you are rich, but listen, money in this case has failed to buy you children. So in, in the, there's a context for this other couple where God is looking to humble them. And, and, and this situation, God will allow it. Meanwhile, it says, you know, um, so, so you see there's different contexts of the suffering of not having a child. One, Capo is battling against a curse whereby in their family, miscarriages happen, there's barrenness. Another couple is caught up in a prophetic agenda. So for them, they have to pray and ask for grace and, and, and go through the shame where everyone around them, every other couple, that they, you know, other couples, every couple is getting married and having kids and they are 40, they are 45, they haven't yet had a child. It's shame. They have to deal with this. That's that's what Christ deals with. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about this. It says Christ endured shame. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience to rest, that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So you see, Jesus had to deal with this, because he had to endure the cross and despise the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So this couple, every time they go to people's houses, other families are having kids, celebrating birthday parties, and they're saying, God, we are 45. We haven't yet received a child. They need grace to deal with that shame where people are probably saying, you know, and they're saying, Lord, we're getting older. We, you know, would love to enjoy our kids while we're still young and full of strength. So there's that context. Meanwhile, the third category is a couple that God has allowed this situation to bring humility to them. They need humility. They need to be humbled. And the only way God can take advantage or teach them this lesson is he's allowing them to deal with, to go through this barrenness. 
it's true. We have to look at these things. But you see, we cannot just say there's a context. You know, Paul was fulfilling God's will of preaching the gospel to Gentiles. But it almost seemed like everywhere he went, he was just dealing with suffering. Suffering. He suffered, man. And we're going to look at Job. But since we have a lot of examples that we're going to be using, and I really feel like the, the conversation is opening up, um, so that's why it says my people are perishing because of lack of knowledge. My people are held in captivity because of ignorance. There's a captivity, which is a captivity of the devil. That one you, you need to discern and say, no, 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 this is not from God. This is from Satan. And I think that's what the scripture says, having done all, you, 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 having done all to stand, stand therefore. Because it says there's a place where you've done your standing and looks like you still need to stand some more. When it looks like you need to stand some more, I'm heavily trying, I'm I'm starting to lean more on the side that whenever you get to a point where now it looks like having done all to stand, stand some more, there's a high chance that that is a suffering that God is allowing. And now the question becomes, why is he allowing it? We need to start diving in. I'll just make a quick note. Um, why is he allowing this suffering to happen? What is what is he trying to teach me? Because the faster that you can discern why he is allowing this suffering, sometimes I believe you can shorten that wilderness. It's almost like I've learned my lesson. You pass the class and you get promoted. So In the next episode, we'll talk about the sufferings of Job and we'll continue. What, what we shall be doing is that we shall present different scenarios of suffering. And different scenarios of suffering and the different contexts for different kinds of suffering. And you'll see that there is a suffering according to the will of God that Yes, God can allow us to suffer such that to fulfill a purpose that he might have. Some Most times it's a character purpose in us to build a certain character out of us. And other times we just, I don't know how to, I, you know, unfortunately, fortunately, or we are fortunately, unfortunately caught up in a prophetic agenda timing where something has happened a certain time. And so God's like, I love you, but you're still going to have to wait. So we'll also talk about how if you don't rightly discern the context of your suffering and you try to remove yourself from the equation, you can move into what we call the acceptable will, not the perfect will of God, but you you start going, you 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 basically moved your life onto the track that we call the acceptable will. There's a good will, there's a perfect will of God, but there's also an acceptable will. We'll talk about this in the next episode. So this was unplugged. I hope. This was Unplugged. We hope that this episode blessed your heart. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Sela.